welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. It's Kathy! It's Mary! Yay! Oh, your name is Pancakes for All. I wish I had pancakes. You could make some. That's way too much effort. That's what I did. Nice. Jealous. Yeah. I had pancakes for dinner. Awesome. I haven't had dinner yet. I did buy about a billion waffles at Costco today, though. Yes! After our discussion about waffles in Costco (laughs) recently. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Yes. I've run out of my Costco waffles, so uh-huh. that's very sad. Pancakes were made. It was pancakes fine. are great. That's a, it's a very large box of waffles, even bigger than I anticipated, <laughs> and I am happy yes. with it. I immediately took them all out of the box because I was like, "There's no way this box is gonna fit in my freezer." Yeah, fair. We bought a big chest freezer specifically so that we could save money by shopping at Costco. It was actually surprisingly inexpensive. Awesome. And so it lives in the basement. With all of my waffles and various other things. Yay! Mm -hmm. How are you today? Uh, I'm okay. I'm tired. My brain has decided that the semester is over already (laughs) and that it's summer break now. But there are are two problems with that. One being that I still have a week and a half left of classes. And Mm. two being that I'm also teaching all summer. (laughs) Yeah. I keep trying to tell my brain, no brain. It's not summer vacation time. There is like a week or so in which I have to prepare for my summer classes before my summer classes start. But I don't really get a real break. End of semester is coming, but it's not over for you. No. But my brain thinks it is and cannot focus <laughs> and refuses to focus, no matter how hard I try. Boo. Is the moral of my story. And yeah, you uh, got the podcast done very efficiently today. I did. I don't yeah. know how that happened. <laughs> Probably because I did actually have a bit less work I needed to do since most of my actual work is done. My lectures themselves are done. My exams are all written. So right now I'm just waiting for students to take exams so that I can then grade them. So... This week, I didn't have a lot to do, so I got the podcast editing done earlier than usual. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Which was nice. How are you? I'm okay. I don't know. There's not a lot going on. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Just same old work. Blah, blah, blah. Sleep would be nice. Blah, blah, blah. I like sleep. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I went swimming again yesterday. Nice. It was good. It was just... A handful of people this time, which was good. That is good. Last Monday when I went, there were hordes of teenage boys playing basketball in the water. That so terrible. <laughs> it was fine. I just stayed away from them. <laughs> it has nothing to do with their age or anything else. I just don't like any hordes of people of any type. Me either. <laughs> Me either. But anyway, I know that's not very thrilling. God, what have I been doing? I should come up with stories. You should come up with stories. Like the story about how you you were being chased by dinosaurs and then you were a dinosaur. (laughs) I like that story. We'll have to come up with something else. Let me think. I might be too tired to think of something right now. (laughs) That's fine. I suppose. This will probably be a very exciting episode of this podcast then since we're both tired. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) I do have uh, questions about this episode, but... Yes. Therefore, while we are talking about the episode. Fair. Because they That's deal fair. with the content of the episode. 
I have already forgotten what this episode is about, even though I just watched it, I think, yesterday. I don't know. What's today? Time today is, is Tuesday. I don't know anything. I think I watched it Sunday. I'll probably remember it as we go through it. Maybe not. We'll find out. This is about, you know, humans using hagfish to live healthier oh, right. lives. Whenever I'm editing an episode of the podcast, I always immediately forget the episode that I just watched <laughs> and then can only remember the episode that I was just editing our description so yes now i I did also just watch it for the second time during lunch today because the first time i wasn't taking any notes so i thought i should Ah, maybe do that a little bit i didn't take many notes i was on the treadmill while i was watching this one i took a few notes i didn't take a ton but a few oh sorry i try not to yawn (laughs) yawning while talking is always good podcasting yes absolutely (laughs) That's been my whole day. I just keep yawning. So hopefully that knocks off. Or at least I get away from the microphone while I do it and shut the hell up. Most of the time you're not talking. There have definitely been a few edits that I have been unable to. That I'm like, all right, well, do I cut out like this entire conversation or (laughs) just the one like, or do I just leave in Kathy yawning and talking at the same time? I promise everyone I'm not bored. Just throwing that out there. It's not boredom. I just yawn a lot. So what's this episode? (laughs) This episode is Stargate SG-1 Season 6, Episode 10, Cure. Not The Cure, which we distinguished last week. (laughs) Just Cure. Indeed. Just Cure. The episode starts on some random planet. There's a whole bunch of people lined up, looking formal, kind of in military-like dress. It's clear that they are not Earth people, though, because these are not Earth military uniforms, but they have that vibe. There are two people standing in the very front of the crowd talking about how they're about to meet an alien race for the first time, and they're going to be so much more advanced, and they could be a threat, so probably it's good that they seem nice. But they need to be suspicious of them, at least a little bit, just in case. That's wise, I think. It it is generally wise. And I feel like SG-1 could learn (laughs) from them, at least in that regard. True. But here we are. One of the guys, a guy named Dolan, mentions that the, the contact is supposed to be sending their most respected team of representatives and that the leader is of course going to be brilliant and savvy and a negotiator and they will have to be at their best to match the challenge that they're about to be up against so then of course sg1 walks through dolan mentions that he cannot wait to meet a man of such genius and then jack says howdy (laughs) dolan's face just falls (laughs) there was definitely a mismatch of ceremony there absolutely yeah they were looking very formal and sg1 just kind of casually saunters through in their typical garb for off-world yes missions. right they were not in military dress they were in fatigues it does seem like something maybe the sgc might think about going forward right maybe a little formality once in a while a bit yeah first contact it would be probably nice to make a show of putting in an effort (laughs) to make a good impression (laughs) yeah 
Especially because they clearly talked before. How did they get all the information about even, I guess that they maybe talked to the people that through would, the That was my assumption, yeah. Yeah. Because there was a malp sitting there while they were waiting. Yeah. 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 How does that go when a big giant machine just comes rolling through the gate? Like, did they all just run in fear for a while and then not go back to it until like days later? Or did they have a conversation right away? I really want more information about how this initial interaction happened. That's a good question. Yeah. At least this was a group of people who have knowledge of some kind of technology and not like yes people who do not. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> They at least have some machine type yes. technology. That's what I'm trying. They're to not say. meant to be analogous to modern day humans, but you know, at least somewhere in probably like 1900s. Yeah, comparable. I would. I would say. Yeah, not 1900, but like 1900s. Yeah. Ish. <laughs> yeah. Not like 1999, but you know. <laughs> no. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. in the middle-ish. It's all very important. It is very, very important. Later on, they're at some sort of administrative building. Dolan is there with the other guy he is talking to who is named Tiger, and SG-1 is with them, of course, as well. They're just having some pleasantries on their way to go to wherever it is that they're going for this meeting that they're going to have. And... It's one time! <laughs> Unauthorized traveler. It's time for mine! <laughs> Wine time! <laughs> There's the juice. Thank you. Hi, Griffey! <laughs> to be fair, I did ask him to go to the store and get wine for me. <laughs> and he did say he was going to do this, and wine then time. I immediately <laughs> forgot. <laughs> it's wine time. Yay! Time for wine. Yay! Did he bring you a glass? Yes, he did. Aw, nice. He brought me wine in a glass. <laughs> Not just a bottle to chug from. Not just a bottle to chug from unopened with no wine key or anything mean like that. Or a box where you just... (laughs) Not just a handful of wine. (laughs) Or a box. He probably bought a box because we're we're classy like that. We pretty much only buy boxes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Tigger and Dolan are talking about the ancient temple that they've been trying to study that is near the Stargate. Pretty much like right there, I guess. And so they're trying to... Just learn more about their people, essentially. They already kind of know about the golds, and what they really want from Earth is help figuring out how to use the gate themselves. Mm-hmm. They get that it's a dialing device, but they just don't really understand the order that they need to put symbols in. So, of course, SG-1 promises to help them out with that mm-hmm. once they get to know them better, right. Sam specifies, because <laughs> they're not going to just give them gate addresses like they did with what's her face that doctor lady that they picked up in the oh, prison yeah <laughs> destroyer of worlds i forget what her name is yeah yeah her i don't remember her name either but i almost called her cassandra but that is totally not the same person <laughs> well she almost destroyed earth also that's true <laughs> yeah but no not the same person linnea boom oh I yes yes nice Sorry. good call good call <laughs> In exchange for information about how to use the gate and perhaps a little bit of help with some translation work that they're trying to do in the temple at the excavation site, they have something wondrous to offer in return. And they put a little jar of 
purpley liquid on the table. There's the news. Jack fancily asks, Qu'est-ce que c'est? And they call it tritonin. And it is their greatest scientific discovery, and they are willing to share it with Earth if Earth is willing to help them. As Dolan describes it, it makes their immune systems impervious to any ailment, and they live in perfect health. Ooh. Sure. Yeah. Totally yeah. plausible. Yep. <laughs> Just like most of this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> How would it work against an autoimmune disease, though? I don't know. You will have to ask the writers of Stargate. Because if an autoimmune disease is your immune system attacking your own cells and it's making your immune system impervious to any ailment, it, that doesn't necessarily fix an issue where your immune cells are attacking themselves. Why time? <laughs> A bit later, Teal'c and Jonas are out at the site where they found the Stargate and all of the gold artifacts. I thought it was weird how... Just kind of spaced along the hill behind the dig site, there were just a couple random men looking like they were probably supposed to be guards. But if they're guards, why would they be standing behind the dig rather than in front of the dig? <laughs> I don't know. So if somebody from the village approaches, they're going to wa- run through the dig site and the delicate work being done in order to get <laughs> to anyone also who's going to attack this dig site. Why do they need guards? Oh, well, they've got these randos wandering around right now, so maybe the, maybe this is not the normal configuration mm. of guard. I just thought it was weird. Their whole use of extras I found to be strange and distracting. <laughs> there were just always people walking randomly behind various scenes that were happening. <laughs> Tilk wants to know what they're doing here, and Jonas is like, I'm being Daniel. What do you think I'm doing? <laughs> they meet... A woman named Zena who calls them Earthens. Jonas corrects that to Earthlings. Does it matter? Yeah, I don't know. She says she's happy to meet them, explorers from Earth, and they're like, well, we're not really from there. We're aliens. She does recognize Tilk as a Jaffa, though. She is very excited that they're there because they've learned a lot from their dig, but... She just knows that Tilk and SG-1 know so much more and they're going to be able to share so much. Jonas is like, well, how about you show us around? So she starts giving them a little tour, telling them that they discovered the ruins a hundred years ago and they've been studying the secrets of the gold since. She says the real discovery was made just over here and then she leads them away. Then we are... Back at the boring administrative building <laughs> with Dolan and Tiger and SG half, Sam and Jack specifically, talking about tritonin. And it does have some side effects, but you know, small price to pay. Obviously, Sam wants to know more about what those side effects might be. Well, most people that are on it don't have any reaction at all. They have noticed that the people who are taking it need to be getting regular doses all the time. As in, like, once you start taking it, you can't stop taking it. That's all. Not a big deal. Sam says that they are for sure going to want to do a lot of testing before they start giving it to Earth humans. Dolan and Tiger are like, oh, yeah, of course. You can have lots of it to do your testing. And we understand and everything's fine. 
Sam then pulls out a list of 10 addresses that she says that they've been authorized to share with these people. Dylan and Tigger are not really interested in those because they have their own list that they really want to be able to access. They shove it over to Sam and she doesn't recognize all of them, but she does recognize the last one as being one that they have locked out of their gate system because it's a go old home world. So there's a little bit of back and forth then because Jack and Sam are trying to warn Dolan and Tegan about maybe don't go to the Gould home worlds. That's a bad place. You don't want to go there. But <laughs> Dolan and Tegan are like, no, it's fine. I want to go to there. Our ancestors were from there. We know that there were Gould here. We can learn a lot about our history. We'll be fine. Everything's fine. And Sam and Jack obviously are continuing to be like, but no, though, really, <laughs> you don't want to go there. And Dolan and Tiger are very insistent that, nope, they really, really do <laughs> want to go there. Everything will be fine. Mind your own damn business. Just tell us how to dial the stupid gate. <laughs> Small price to ask for something that will pretty much give all of the Earth people immortality. Every time that I see them referring to Panger or the Pangerins, I just keep thinking of a pangolin, which is a very Me too! (laughs) (laughs) But kind of would have made the episode more interesting. I didn't dislike the episode, but pangolins are cute. And so anything about pangolins is going to be more interesting than a thing about people. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Outside, Zena has led Tilk and Jonas to the more exciting thing that she wanted to show them, which is a hole in the wall. (laughs) Or hole in the ground, really. Who Uh, doesn't get very excited about a good (laughs) hole? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's obviously a structure underneath the ground. (laughs) There's another guard there. She goes in and says that it is a tunnel system that leads back to the main temple. Teal'c says most likely as a means to escape to the Stargate. If they're attacked. And she's like, that's what I thought. And Tilk, this whole episode, Tilk just looks so pleased he with does. himself for imparting all this knowledge on them. Like, it's pretty great. Right. <laughs> he seems very proud of his Jaffa heritage, minus all the yeah murdering. <laughs> in, exactly. <laughs> that his people have done. But yeah, he's happy yeah. to be able to share knowledge that is useful to them. Yeah. Yeah. Down in these tunnels, she shows them that there's drawings and glyphs on the wall. Did you notice the odd arm placement of one of them? That their arm was kind of hanging down in front of their torso in such a way that it looked like they just had a very, very large dick. (laughs) No, I missed that. (laughs) Yeah, and they showed it several times. And I was like, oh, it's just super distracting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's clearly just an arm, but yeah, it's not well positioned for an arm. <laughs> A little bit too long and low. <laughs> I <It's> see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're welcome. They're looking at the dicks on the wall. There's so many dicks on the wall. There's just the one dick, but... There's just the one, but it's very large. Yes. <laughs> they haven't been able to translate this dick... <laughs> Perhaps he was dictating. Oh, shut up. But Teal'c and Jonas can read a little bit of it. It's about a warlord named Shakran. Is that it? Shakran? Shakran? I, yeah, I think they said Shakra. Shakra? Okay. Because I remembered it sounding like Ra. Okay. 
Maybe there's an N at the end. Is there? I don't, I don't know. know. Sure. That dude used to live on this planet. Apparently, Apophis, according to Jonas Quinton, defeated him 300 years ago. And then Chilk is like, Pangolin was his home world <laughs> until then. Zena, of course, gives Tilk an opening and says, What of the gold Apophis? And Tilk's like, He was killed in battle not long ago. So pleased. He was. I really wanted him to say, though, he is a false god. A, a dead, dead false, false god. god. <laughs> but he did not. No. And I was disappointed. <laughs> That's okay. I can just look over at yep. the, the meme on the wall. <laughs> at the motivational posters. Exactly. That- Jeff made and that I then printed <laughs> that are now hanging up. <laughs> they're perfect. They are. While they're talking, there are still guards literally everywhere. They're even down in here. There's a guard it's posted outside, weird. guards in this tunnel, like everywhere. Jonas offers to help with the translation. He's got ciphers he can try, but then she's like, I don't want to be overheard by the security guard. She looks and the guards are on their way out. So she's like, you need to know this something about the Tritonin. <gasps> but then I guess a guard comes back because then she's like, oh, come on, it's time for the rest of the tour. And Tilk and Jonas are like, uh, what's that about? Er. Outside, elsewhere, somewhere else on this excavation site, we get a close up of somebody unburying a vase Ooh. or something. So people are still actively working on this excavation site, not just on translating stuff in the temple, but various other things in the surrounding area. Tilk and Jonas find Sam and Jack and tell them that Zena has something that she is concerned about with regard to the Tritonin. Jack tells them to keep digging. (laughs) Meanwhile, he and Sam are going to take their sample of Tritonin back to the SGC for testing. I like they were walking by two guards who then immediately turn to each other and start talking. They're totally talking about <laughs> SG-1. Absolutely. Yes. It's weird. Yeah. Just like I said, the background actors, I feel like, are very prominent in this episode. <laughs> it's not like when they're filming a scene where there's just like a lot of people going about their job in the background, but one or two people will be doing something distracting in the background <laughs> for the entire episode. It's very weird. That's true. Yeah. Jonas goes back to see Zena again. She's underground. Jonas goes to see her. Tilk stands outside the hole to stand guard, I guess, make sure nobody's coming so they can talk freely. Down in the hole with the big dick. Yeah. <laughs> Jonas has already procured his cipher notebook so that he can help her. However, he says, looks like we're alone. And... Without the context of their previous conversation, I was like, this is creepy, Jonas. What are you doing? (laughs) Quite. It's like, oh, we're alone here. Mm -hmm." You know, looking at old-timey porn or whatever's going on (laughs) on the wall. (laughs) Zena doesn't take his meaning, though. And she's like, what do you think this means? And points at something on the wall. And he's like, but what about the Tritonin we were going to talk about? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about, man. You just misunderstood me. He's like, nobody's coming. We we can talk. But she's like, I have nothing to say about this. And then she leaves and runs out past Tilk. Jonas comes out too. He's like, that was weird. And she had nothing to say. And someone must have gotten to her, he tells Tilk. 
Sometime later, Tilk and Jonas are watching the excavation happen. And then they do a little bit of sneak, sneak, sneaking around, even though it's totally daytime. <laughs> and there's those weird-ass guards everywhere in addition to these random workers. But Jonas sneaks into a tent, presumably Zena's I think so. And starts having a snoop around and manages to find a bunch of sketches. He finds some various pieces of paper and reads them, looks concerned, and then hears some people outside. So he hurries the hell out of there. Outside, he meets back up with Tilk and says that he thinks he's got something. Apparently, Zena herself is on Tritonin. And she has regular appointments to get injections. And maybe they should go and check out the place where she gets her shots, slash everyone gets their shots. He's found a map of the city. He thinks that they can get there. And so they're going to head off and do that. But meanwhile, peering at them through this big (laughs) gap in the wall where they totally should have noticed her... (laughs) Is Zena. She has been watching and listening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that tent that she has, does she live there? Yeah. There's definitely a bed in there. Yeah, there was a bed that has clearly not ever been slept in because it was like a big puffy pillow yeah. and very white sheets. And they're outside. It did seem like she's supposed to be living there, though. Everything else was like dirty and dusty, but the bed in the center, the dead center. Yeah. Very clean and white. And unused. why is she living there? I don't know. They're like right outside the city. (laughs) (laughs) It does not make any sense. Maybe she prefers tent life. Right. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. It would make sense if it was just a field office. But if it was just a field office, why is there a bed dead center in the room? Maybe she emphasizes nap time. Mm. I've heard of various jobs that actually have good wellness programs doing that, having like little napping cubbies that you can reserve for yourself and take a nap during your day in places that actually care about their employees that would be amazing yeah i did try to get my boss to let me get a recliner instead of my office chair (laughs) that would have been amazing it didn't seem like it was gonna fly unfortunately oh your boss sucks i know i know not as much as your coworker with the baby shower yeah i'm like you could just you know because then i could lean back and put my feet up but also then my mm-hmm. com- my keyboard's right there my monitor's still right there it'd all be perfect right Ugh. exactly you know what my wine could use some gummy bears Ooh. but if you're not getting the recliner that oh, you want no. and i can't have the gummy bears that i want and just life is very hard it's so so hard it's very hard to be oh, us we should probably yeah. just quit <laughs> I give up. Everything is the worst. I'm gonna go lay on the floor now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> podcast over. Bye. <laughs> Jonas and Teal could do some more sneak, sneak, sneaking into a building. At least it's dark. Yes, now, it's so they can sneak a little bit more effectively. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I even watching that scene, I was like, "You guys are not being stealthy." I don't know no. what you're doing. <laughs> no, there are so many people around. Yeah. They walk in and they're looking around. They come to a lab or something and there's bottles, I think, of the tritonin and stuff there. There's the juice. And I was wondering where the security guards were. Right? If they're guarding the dig site that heavily, why aren't they guarding (laughs) this place? Exactly. (laughs) Very weird. Jonas surmises this is where they make and administer the drug. Tilk says, let's head on down this hallway where they walk into basically a giant aquarium. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. 
There's water gur- gurgling, burbling. I don't. There's water below them. Either one. Yeah. Yeah. They're on uh, some kind of walkway, not on ground level. They head over to a railing to look down, and it is a bunch of water, like, moving below them. And Jonas is like, there's something down there. Yep. You can hear it, too. Yeah. <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Jill's like, yep, that's gold symbiotes. Yeah. Lots and lots of them. can hear the screeching. Before they're able to guess what they're doing, finally, some security shows up. And is like, <laughs> identify yourselves. But then more of them show up. That guy was down below, so he wasn't really a threat. He was just kind of distracting them while these other guards yeah. come be- up from behind them. Tilk starts struggling with one of them, and another one just comes at Jonas and jumps right into him, and they fall through the railing and into the aquarium below. That seemed like a really stupid move on the part of that guard. For real. Given that the railing was not very tall and clearly not very sturdy. No. <laughs> like, the fall itself could have killed them. Yeah. But no, they fall in. Jonas is there struggling. He calls for Tilk, who Tilk's like, oh gosh. He leaves his opponent behind to pull Jonas out of the water. Unfortunately, the other guy gets dragged underneath. He does come out a moment later. They also drag him out. Unfortunately, though, they see on the back of his neck a big mark. I feel like this wound should be more gaping. But right, it really should. <laughs> it just looks like a scratch. <laughs> yes. So they're like, oh crap, he has a hagfish. Tilk's like, I'm going to shoot him. And then obviously the guards are like, uh, no, how about you don't shoot one of us? Tilk's like, but he's a gold. Jonas says there's something not right because this guy is just on the ground not doing anything instead of flashing his eyes and saying things about humans being stupid and whatnot cookie yes or cookie yeah he's not demanded any cookies he has not which is very very uncharacteristic of a gold indeed during the day we see a view of the entire city and there were some zeppelins in the background which would have made jeff very happy because he keeps saying that we need to replace basically all forms of transportation with dirigibles okay which i disagree with because they are very slow but (laughs) apparently these people have decided that that's the way to go there's more to life than getting places really fast mary (laughs) i suppose you're right (laughs) Back at whatever office building Tiger and Dolan are based out of, they meet up with SG-1 again to have a little discussion about what happened at the Tritonin facility. Jack is, of course, very angry that the pangolins have been hiding the hagfish from them. The pangolins are like, well, you betrayed our trust, so now we're even. But of course, the conversation doesn't end there. The Pangolins do tell SG-1 that all of those hagfish are actually a critical component of making the Tritonin. So they need all of those hagfish. Otherwise, no Tritonin. Sam is shocked. Jack seems surprised as well. And they're like, well, it's complicated. But, you know, science. (laughs) We wanted to see how you would react first, though, before we told you where the Tritonin comes from. 
Of course, everyone on SG-1 is basically saying that they are idiots for having such a huge risk of just vats and vats full (laughs) of hagfish that can take over people and become full-on warmongering gold. But apparently that's not really how these hagfish work. And also they've taken every precaution possible. Sure. Tilk asks how they got the symbiotes. And Jack seconds that question because he points out they haven't mastered gate travel and yet they've got a shit ton of hagfish babies. Tigger and Dolan are like, well, I guess there's no point in hiding anything else from you at this point. Let's go back and take a look and we'll show you where we get them all from. (laughs) They go back to the lab slash injection distribution center. Dolan said that they actually developed the drug right there. And they also Ooh. administer it there, although now they can also administer it from other locations as well. And he's like, well, right through here, we have the reason we're able to create the Tritonin. He lets them in and he says their symbiotes are all bred in captivity. And there's a fish tank with a hagfish queen. She's a uh, real fat. Ginormous? Ginormous. Yeah. Not like human big, no. but very large. Like way bigger than a normal hagfish. It, it made me wonder how that fit in Hathor. Right? <laughs> this definitely is not what Hathor looked like. This is more like the giant worm thing that makes slurm. Ah! Ah, lordy! <laughs> yes. For any of you that like <laughs> Futurama as much as we do. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It makes no sense. And they don't really address it. They do eventually say that it's capable of asexual reproduction when it lacks genes from some sort of male. But that doesn't really explain how Hathor was able to function with this ginormous thing in her body. Life uh, finds a way. Yeah. So this is where my many questions about gold reproduction begin yeah and they just get more questiony as time goes on but yeah for now how'd that big ass thing fit into hathor because she definitely spawned babies in the sgc do not worry child right yeah (laughs) i have no idea this thing is huge you would think that she would have been way bigger than she actually was (laughs) if this thing was hiding yeah (laughs) so yeah that's their big reveal (laughs) yeah their big nasty ass reveal yeah Meanwhile, in some medical facility, we see the guard from before, still unconscious in a bed. Dolan and SG-1 are there, talking about his prognosis. The guy is alive, so seems physically healthy, but there's just not really any brain activity happening. They are guessing that maybe it has to do with the fact that the symbiote was raised in a tank that is causing the coma like state tilk is continuing to educate everybody on how hagfish work so again it's pretty great seeing tilk just yeah being so pleased to have so many answers he talks about the fact that the gold symbiotes started using jaffa because it made blending between the hagfish and the humans easier because before that there was only about a 50 percent success rate so if these hagfish were all raised without a jaffa host then Maybe this is just what it looks like when that fails. Mm. But he also adds that 
from his knowledge, a failed blending results in death of both the hagfish and the host. So this is still it doesn't really explain the entire situation, he points out, because the guy is still alive. Dolan says that this is typical of any reaction that they've seen of the hagfish with humans. So that's fun that this has been happening. <laughs> yeah. At least a couple times before. You would think they would have gotten sturdier railings. Yes. Yeah, right? They said that they've taken so many precautions except for sturdier railings. And obviously it's happened before, so their precautions are not that great. They talk about the fact that Gould offspring are born with all of the knowledge of the queen who bore it. And that the symbiote should be able to take control immediately. So definitely there is something very wrong happening in this particular case. And in all of these cases, if that hasn't happened ever previously here on Pangolin and Dolan's like, yeah, no, we've never seen any of that crap before that you're <laughs> describing with the glowy eyes and whatnot. They are going to go and try to get in touch with the Tok'ra and see if the Tok'ra have any answers. Dolan asks who the Tok'ra are and they say they're like the Gould, but, you know, better, <laughs> less evil. But they also use hagfish and they are allies. Elsewhere, Jonas goes to see Zena again at her tent home. He is there to confess that they not only broke into the Tritonin facility, but did so with information they obtained from her quarters. And she's like, yeah, I know, because you're real bad at sneaking around. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I kind of wanted you to know, so I didn't stop you or anything. Then she says she's glad what he did, but then she's like, I'm disappointed you were willing to betray me. And I'm like, you just met like three yeah. seconds ago. Right? That was weird. <laughs> Jonas is like, well, it's your fault because you said something and then wouldn't tell us anything. <laughs> Zena is on Tritonin, as we know, and it's not available to everyone. Taking it is a privilege, she says, one that can be revoked. So she was afraid... Of losing her Tritonin. Would they revoke it now that they know for sure that people can't live without it once they're on it? That would be super shitty. It would be super shitty. <laughs> then they're like, oh, yeah, we need to learn to trust each other. So you can make this up to me by helping me finish translating the dick in the tomb. <laughs> or the dick in the hole. I think it's better, but... <laughs> Back in the medical facility, the Tok'ra have arrived. It is Malik, the not-quite-Martooth, and another person named Kelma. They don't know what's going on either. They say that the hagfish seems to be a fully grown adult, so they have no idea why it's not conscious or why neither of them have died, but are instead both awake and continuing to be comatose. Malik reiterates that the memory of the queen is passed on to the offspring. And so for whatever reason, this queen did not do that or couldn't do that. Sam asks if they can remove the hagfish without harming the host, and they're not sure. So not helpful. Malik wants to see the queen, so they can go and do that. When they go in the room, Jack's like, not a pretty sight, even for a gold. And I thought that was pretty rude to say to hagfish people. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> They take a closer look at her. Kelma says she's very old. <laughs> Fantastically, Fantastically old. old. <laughs> Sam tells them that they've been using her for 
medical experiments for over 50 years and breeding Yikes. her for like at least 25. That's also yikes. Yeah. Jack asks how that's possible when she doesn't have a man friend. And that's when Malik <laughs> says that the symbiote queens can fertilize their own eggs. So this had me trying to remember Hathor because I'm like, yeah. why did Hathor go to the trouble of raping Daniel? So yeah. I actually went back and watched the scene. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. She made it sound like it was necessary. Yeah, she totally did. She said that they needed the DNA from the host species in order to ensure that the blending works, which is similar yeah. to what they were saying about why the Jaffa are needed. Right. So couldn't that explain right there why this didn't work if it was asexual reproduction and no blending with any host? Wouldn't that make sense? That's why it can't blend? I think so. It was just weird. They don't say it like that's the answer, though. They make it sound like it's just because she's too old and yeah, might have decided not to pass on any information. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I yeah. just like it's just all confusing. But yes. <laughs> Either way, Wait. whatever's going on here, Kelma says they are impressed that a primitive human culture could figure all this out. <laughs> and Jack asks if it bothers them that they use gold like this. And I was like, it bothers me, Jack. <laughs> yes, right? Yeah, same. <laughs> Malik, though, has a different opinion. He does not have a problem with it because the gold have been doing shitty things to humans forever Therefore, he does not find it morally objectionable for the pangolins to just keep experimenting and breeding this one hagfish and then using all of its babies for experimentation and to make drugs. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end, Kalma's like, yeah, she's dying, this queen. So then they're all going to be screwed. Yeah. I had massive issues with this sentiment. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't great. I can understand the reasoning yeah. because, yeah, they're keeping it captive, whereas, like, each hagfish that has a host is keeping the host captive. Yeah. But, yeah, it was... Be better than the yes. ghouls. Don't just <laughs> right. be the same as them. Right. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, we finally get back to Earth. Fraser and Hammond are there talking to Sam and Jack via the Malp. This was another weird scene as far as like a random extra because on the screen that Fraser and Hammond are looking at, Sam and Jack are taking up most of the screen, but you could still see enough of the background that some extra <laughs> comes walking by and then walks behind Jack and then never comes out on the other side. <laughs> so I'm like, did the guy like just fuck up the shot and then realize like halfway through oh shit they're filming and i'm in the shot i guess i better hide behind this <laughs> giant rock that was behind them so that he never comes back out on the other side maybe i don't know it was distracting <laughs> very distracting to me i didn't notice at all yeah fair anyway fraser's talking about how the troponin tritonin troponin is a thing that is important to our health and our muscle contractions or ability to control them. So I keep thinking of troponin when I see troponin. Anyway, troponin appears to cure most diseases, but it does suppress the actual immune system of the human body. So it's basically just coming in and taking over. And in suppressing the human immune system, if the person ever stops taking the troponin, 
they no longer have an immune system, essentially, is what she says. So they will be healthy for as long as they can continue to take it. And then otherwise, it's not really going to be long until they get very, very ill. Basically, they're like Jaffa in that way. Right. Yeah, yeah actually, pretty much exactly yeah. like that. Fraser says that she doesn't even have any idea how the pangolins can make enough of it for their population to be keeping them all on a regular dose. Sam and Jack point out that only about 20% of the population are actually on it, and they are kind of running out and are not really able to make more, especially since the queen that they're using for it is dying. Fraser has no ideas for how to reverse the effect that the drug is having. I really want to know more ex- about the exact mechanism of how this is working, but I am sure <laughs> that nobody put that much thought into it. But I was trying to figure out, like, how could this work? Anyway, yeah, that's a moot point for this episode. It's, you know, sci-fi MacGuffin. <laughs> that's what it does. doesn't matter how it works. So long story short, anyone who is currently on Tritonin is going to die soon unless they can either figure out a way to turn their immune systems back on or a way to make more Tritonin so that they can keep giving them their fix. After they chat with Hammond and Dr. Frazier, Sam and Jack go talk to Dolan and Tinger some more. Jack's like, oh, you wanted those gaining dresses because you want to go get another queen. That sounds like an easy thing to do. Right. But Dolan's like, we really don't have a choice. I can't imagine that would have ended well for no. them at all, though. No. <laughs> like, they just would have all ended up, whoever went there would have all ended up dying. Yes. So that was a bad plan. We get more backstory on how they got to this point, as Sam asks. And he says they discovered this hagfish 60 years ago in a sealed canopic jar. They had been able to decipher from the temple that Gould never suffered from disease. So they were like, hmm, let's see what we can do with this. Especially once she gave birth. Again, like, is this not a thing she can do willingly? Like, she just gives birth, like, every so often? Yeah, I don't don't know. That doesn't make sense. If she decided that she didn't want them to have her offspring, then why would she keep reproducing? Unless, I guess, there wasn't any full control over yeah. the So they immediately, they say, start experimenting on these hagfish, trying to discover the secrets of their long health. They came up with tritonin, and they were like, oh, awesome, miracle drug. But unfortunately... <laughs> Dr. Oz would have loved it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Green coffee beans. Tritonin, yeah. same thing. I'm concerned that you are melding medical advice, news, and entertainment in a way that harms consumers. So I was telling my students about that whole story about how he was talking about green coffee bean extract being a miracle cure. And it's very gratifying to me to see my students getting as angry about bad science <laughs> as I get. I'm like, yes, I've taught you well, my children. This was fantastic. Awesome. And this is why I will miss you all Aww. when you're gone in a couple weeks. Yep. They knew about the problem with having to take it forever but they're like we're just gonna use it anyway and we'll probably be able to fix this down the line but they haven't been able to (laughs) so now they're at this point where they're going to lose their hagfish supply and a bunch of people are gonna die if they don't do something about it dylan asks jack and sam if maybe they could help you know, find a tactical advantage while they go hunting for queens. But Jack's like, no, there's no tactical advantage. And 
you probably we'll probably all just gonna die if this happens but <laughs> sam's like but maybe we get you off the chitonin instead and dolan's like yeah we've been trying that and we need more time but sam's like oh or more help oh <gasps> who could she be talking about can't imagine <laughs> back in the dick chamber jonas and zena are hanging out with the dick pics Talking about Tritonin and the fact that Zena is on it and knows she's going to die as soon as they run out of it. But in the meantime, it was pretty great. So <laughs> it was fun while it lasted. Jonas says that they're going to be trying to work on helping to find an antidote. Zena's a little bit skeptical about that and thinks that the only option really would be to find a new queen. Jonas is like, no, we need something longer term. That's not really a solution. We need something that we can actually like just get you off of it altogether rather than just continuing to give you more of the tritonin. She mentions that trying to find another option has been her life's work and also her father's life's work because apparently he was doing the exact same job before she was. I feel like that's how archaeologists yeah. in TV and movies are. They just Apparently, do the same thing yeah. their parents did in the same place. Right. Yeah, because Catherine was doing the same thing that Trip Tucker was yeah. doing. Yeah, and then, I don't know, Indiana Jones's father was an archaeologist too, although they weren't doing literally yeah. the same things. Indiana Jones was treasure hunting. I don't know what True. his father was but, doing. But, you know, they were both archaeologists. Yeah. And then, um, what was the other thing I was thinking about? Daniel's dad Daniel's was an dad, archaeologist yep. who never got to work with him because sadly died tragically young. But yeah. And um, the mummy. The mummy. That's What's the other face? one I was yeah. thinking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, you know what? I thought about being an archaeologist for a really long time if I hadn't gone into biology, but neither of my parents are archaeologists. You so that explains yeah. that, yeah, it's a good choice that I went for biology instead of archaeology because I absolutely would have been destined to fail. <laughs> Next time Kenny's on, we should ask him about his parents. <laughs> Dear Kenny, come back. We have some invasive questions to ask you about your family life. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be totally on board. Zena says that her father is the one that found the jar that had the queen in it. He'd been attempting to just study the ruins further and literally fell into the chamber that had the canopic jar with her in it but that he could have no way of knowing that his discovery was going to doom so many people. That's a very dark way of putting yeah. it because, I mean, he discovered it. He wasn't responsible necessarily for them doing all the experiments that they, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. he only discovered it. He's not necessarily the biologist, zoologist, whatever it is that they're using to actually do the experiments. Right. And Jonas does point out that it wasn't his fault. They then go on to talk a bit more about the temple itself and how it was built by Shakran. But then Jonas notices, well, wait a minute. This fresco over here, not the one with the dick in it, mentions Ra. Zena asks, who the hell is Ra? And Tilk, of course, says that he was also a powerful system lord. He was the brother of Apophis. Did we know that? Yes. I mean, like, I know... Okay, I didn't know if we had known that as far as SG-1 canon was concerned. I think we did know that because... I think they mentioned it in, like, the first episode. And then okay. probably never again because Ra was already dead. Right. Yeah, true. But yeah, he's dead too. The shock being that Ra used to live here. <gasps> before Shakran. Jack and Sam have moved on to their third pair of people to talk to today. <laughs> They're talking to the Tok'ra. Yay. 
they have agreed, the Tok'ra that is, to have a look at this Tritonin and maybe see if they can figure out a way to help them with their problem. Malik says that if it works the way he thinks, it may not be possible <laughs> to make it work perfectly so that they are not stuck on it the rest of their lives, but maybe they can come up with an antidote to reactivate their human immune system. Jack's like, well, how long do you think this is going to take? And Malik's like, well, I don't know, but we'll start working on it right now. Back in the Down Under, with Tilk and Jonas and Zena, they're continuing to do more translation. Ra had been here long before Shakran and had been living here and built all kinds of stuff, but then Shakran won the place in battle and built this temple right on top of what Ra had previously built there. Like you do. Yeah. But I don't want any of that. I'd rather... Rather what? I'd rather just sing. And then Jonas says that it goes on to say something about a prison or a tomb for an enemy of Ra. And as he continues to translate, he finds a line that says, Here lies Egeria, betrayer of the Gwauld. May she suffer for all eternity. And there's a picture of a canopic jar. So that seems not good. <laughs> because that would indicate that that queen is not a Gwauld queen, but is in fact the Tok'ra queen. The long-missing Tok'ra queen. Oh dear. Mm-hmm. Not good. No. Jack and Sam talk to their fourth pair of people. This is Jonas and Teok, SG-1 whole, all together again. <laughs> They're talking about the discovery that Jonas and Teok have made about Egeria. They're telling the story again about how Ra used to rule this planet, then Shikran captured it, and then I guess Ra left his prison for <laughs> Egeria there. The real issue they're having, though, is should we tell Malik and Kalma? And yes. Yeah. Yes. The answer is yes. I don't know yes, why. Yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Why would you not? Why is this a question at all? I don't know. Because, yeah, as Teal'c says, the pangolins are going to keep using the Toker Queen to produce their drug until she dies. And... They're going to die anyway if they can't get them off the drug, so they need the Tok'ra. So yeah, they got to tell them. Also, it's the right thing to do, guys. Right. Back at the medical facility, SG-1 is talking to the Tok'ra, telling them, sorry, we really didn't know. We just figured this out. Malik and Kelma both seem to be pretty stunned. <laughs> Perfect timing. Oh I just ran out. <laughs> I like it. It is in a box, and he did bring just the whole box. Thank you. You're the best. I don't like that you're a clown because I hate clowns. Especially you, hedonism bot. I apologize for nothing. But I love wine. And you. Was he was he dressed like a clown? No, he was not. He's just in normal clothes, which for oh. him is very clown-like. <laughs> I, then I also asked if you were just going to drink that straight from the, the bladder there. I should have. I should have just opened my mouth and let him pour it right in. 
<laughs> Kilma mentions that the historians had thought that it was possible that Egeria was still alive. The common belief was that she'd been killed, but there were some rumors that maybe she wasn't. But they never dared to hope that she could be found alive. And of course, they want her freed immediately. Sam says that they're going to go and talk to the pangolins now and try to get that worked out for them. But maybe if you could offer them an antidote, that would help grease the wheels a bit. Malik, though, says that they have run into even more problems than they actually anticipated because there's just something wrong genetically with all of the hagfish. It's not just their lack of knowledge, but the tritonin that they're extracting from them should actually be working better than it does. And they don't know why. So it just boils down to a defective gene, but they don't really know which gene or why or how to fix it. So that's problematic. They don't have anything to offer in exchange for Egeria's freedom other than maybe that it's just the right thing to do. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So SG1's going to go see what yeah. they can do. They go talk to Dolan. And he's like, how could we know? They can't hold us responsible, right? Sam's like, well, they are demanding the immediate release of Egeria. And he's like, we can't. It's going to doom thousands on our world. Sam explains a little bit about the Tok'ra's background, wherein they're all dying. And if they had a queen, maybe they could swell their numbers a little bit. Dolan's like, what about the Tritonin fix? And they're like, eh. <laughs> that's the end of that <laughs> yeah it was a pretty short yeah. scene they're all kind of short from now on out now on out that's good english <laughs> yeah in the medical facility with tiger and the tokra and jack and sam tiger of course is refusing to let ajiria go shocking that they don't want to do the right thing and let her go they just want to keep her there and keep extracting as many gross hagfish babies as possible until she dies even though she's dying and is you know a very intelligent sentient being even if she's not a sentient being pretty much all animals have feeling and can feel pain and sadness and but whatever who cares yeah let's experiment on everything Uh, this is like the hagfish version of a puppy mill right exactly it is that's what i was thinking the whole time and it was making me sad Yeah. yeah Dolan and Tigar are saying they have no choice. They need to keep using her because they can't let all of the people who are currently taking Tritonin die by freeing her. But Malik says that her existence is a miracle to us and we're a dying race and we're going to go extinct without her. So they are at an impasse. And then we get a quick shot of Egeria lying in her tank. Not looking so good. Kelma comes in and just is hanging out there at the side of the tank. Yeah. And she bows her head. And it's hard to say if she bows her head because she's sad or if she bows her head because her hagfish is about to come out and say some stuff. <laughs> you, we, we can't know. No. Because that's the end of yeah. the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Malik is still arguing with Tiger about releasing Egeria. I laughed really hard when Malik <laughs> said she is a sentient being. Using her in this manner is an insult to her very existence. Since before he was like, yeah, I got no problem with this until he knew who she was. Yeah, it was pretty hypocritical. Yeah. And again, I can kind of understand his logic because he's saying that right. the ghoul would have done the same thing, whereas and the Tok'ra haven't. They're but... definitely enemies. So yeah. like, but it's still yeah. kind of hypocritical. Yeah. 
But then suddenly somebody in the background comes up and tells Tigger that the manufacturing wing has been breached. So they head on out over to where Kelma had gone. Seriously, why don't they have better security? I don't here? know. Why aren't they guarding the queen? Especially after they know the Tokra want it. Like, what right? are they doing? Yeah, they, they are much more precious about the security of their dick pics and <laughs> holes than they are about the life-sustaining drugs that they have. Yeah, it, it, their, their priorities are all bonkers. I don't know. But at least the security forces are. I mean, dicks and holes are pretty great, but also life-sustaining medications, <laughs> right? Are right. pretty fantastic. Otherwise, you can't you can't enjoy the dicks and holes. And we find when they get to the room with the hagfish queen and the Tokra that the host is laying unconscious while there's a dead hagfish laying next to her. And Egeria is no longer in her tank, although her gross sack is still there. How did she fit into Kelma, though? I, I mean, she left her sack behind. <laughs> yeah, but still, it was so I long. Know. Like, even without the big, giant, gross sack. like Yeah, she was very She had to long. be, like, four feet yeah. long, at least, if not more. But, yeah, so apparently the sack is detachable. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying that. I hate you. <laughs> Detachable hagfish sack. <laughs> I like this. No, no. So Kelma has sacrificed herself in order for the queen to at least have a chance to speak. So, yeah. More and more questions about how hagfish work, but that's okay. Hagfish sack. <laughs> Podcast over. I hate you. <laughs> in the medical facility Kilima slash Ageria are there laying in bed a bunch of people are standing over her I like that Jack's just looking at a microscope as though he's going to have any idea what he's looking at he says that he bets the pangolins would give up the queen if the Tok'ra would hand over the antidote. Sam points out that they really don't have one, but Jack doesn't actually believe that. He thinks that it's possible that Malik is lying. Sam is on Team Malik, though. She thinks that he is, in fact, unable to make an antidote like they are trying to do. So they go back and forth about that a little bit. And then Dolan comes in. And says Ajeria has woken up. And so they go into the room with her. Apparently she was in the room like next door. Yeah. Not too far away. Not in the same room. Yeah. Malik is kneeling next to her and saying it's an honor. He's got his eyes averted and she's like, get up. You're not my servant. <laughs> but much more regally because she's a yes. queen. Indeed. Egeria is like, yeah, Kelma was nice to sacrifice her life, but... I am going to die. I'm sorry. And all I was thinking is they've lost yet another Tok'ra hagfish. Yeah. To, for nothing. They have so few of them left and that one sacrificed itself for literally yeah. nothing. Right. It's unfortunate they can't even communicate with one another unless they're in a host body. Yeah. I was thinking that too, because if they could, I would imagine that Ajiria would say, no, don't bother. Yeah. But even then, couldn't she have like shared the information with the host and been like, 
you know, get your hagfish back in here because I'm going to die anyway. So I'm going to jump back out and take your hagfish back. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Even though she's going to die, she does take a moment to let Malik know that she knows what the Tok'ra are and she's very proud of them. And that's like, oh, he... Yeah. yeah. He then interest, introduces, I think it's just SG three quarters there, or maybe Sam and Jack. I don't know. I know uh, I know Jonas I know. isn't there because he's in the next scene. But <laughs> yeah, I thought that Tilk and Jonas were pretty much together the whole time. I don't yeah. know. Doesn't really matter. Anyway, Egeria tells them to come in the room and says that I hear you guys want to help the pangolins, even though they did terrible <laughs> things to me. And Sam's like, well, it was all a mistake. They were not malicious. But then Egeria's like, I wasn't malicious either. And Sam's like, what? What are you talking about? Back at the excavation site, Zena is hanging out, looking sad, while all of the workers work very hard around her. And all the guards continue to patrol, <laughs> strangely. Jonas comes up and sits next to her, and they have a little chat about how on his planet, his people discovered a substance that was amazing and had all kinds of cool potential, and then they made a bomb with it instead of doing anything useful (laughs) with it that would have benefited society in any way. And that is why he left. But at least Zena's people had good intentions, unlike his own people who just suck. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It's the moral of his story. And Zena's like, yeah, we thought we'd found a cure for all diseases, and now that cure is going to kill a bunch of us. She says she's not afraid to die, but she's afraid that her people aren't going to learn from this experience. And Jonas is like, oh, I'm pretty sure they already have. Oh, he's such an optimist. He is. I like Jonas. Yeah, me too. He wouldn't commit the genocide that Daniel committed. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder where Daniel would land on all of this. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. That's a very yeah. good question. Anyway, back with Egeria. Egeria is telling the gathered that she sabotaged her offspring to sabotage their experimentation on her. Yeah. Which again begs the question, why not just not have babies? Yeah. Yeah. And to, I'm sure her dismay, instead of giving up on their experiments, they just kept going. Yeah. (laughs) And used it anyway. Yep. She says that them not being able to live without it is not what she was intending. Malik's like, you don't owe them anything. You were just trying to free yourself. But Egeria is a bigger person than I would be. And it's like, they don't deserve this. I can prevent it. So she's going to impart her knowledge to fix this. Dolan thanks her and asks their forgiveness. Then Jiria is like, this will be my final act, salvation of the pangolins. And such is the spirit of the Tok'ra that I wish to live on. This is the way. This is the way, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad that you responded that way. I was like, I want to just say it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say it. Of course I will. <laughs> Which, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little bit later. They're taking Egeria slash Kelma's body shrouded through the gate. It was kind of an interesting scene transition. They just faded from her face alive to her shrouded face on the stretcher as a bunch of the Tok'ra are carrying her through to the homeworld. 
Sam, Jack, Tiger, and Dolan are staying behind watching the Tok'ra leave and talking about how they're going to have a prototype antidote ready soon. And Tiger says that they're grateful for all of SG-1's efforts. And Dylan adds that it's their hope that they can repair any mistrust and have a great relationship <sighs> moving forward. And then Sam goes and dials the DHD to go back home. Yeah. And I noticed that the buttons didn't light up as they have in like every other scene. Replace your bulbs, guys. Right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I just thought it was weird because I was just mentioning yeah. in the last episode about how Jacob was saying he was sure no one saw him dial. And I was remembering the many times when we've seen the buttons light up or when they've used the lit up buttons to figure out where someone had gone before. But nope, suddenly no buttons. Bulbs burned out. Lighting up. Just the center button, yeah. but not, not the address buttons. They are very old light bulbs, so. It's true. It's true. <laughs> bulbs do burn out over time, especially when they're turned on and off. <laughs> More so than if they're just left yeah yeah anyway that was the that was end of the episode end of the episode do you think that the tokra also took back the brain dead man with the hagfish in him to see if they could fix him or we just forget about him oh i was assuming that they were going to leave him there until they could figure out the cure for the trotonin thing and then i figured that whatever the cure was for everyone that's on trotonin it would probably also that guy how would it help him though i don't know if they took the hagfish out maybe i don't know well that was gonna be my question is would this cure for people to get them off of tritonin also work to cure people like jaffa and that's a good question. unwilling guaul yeah. hosts if the hagfish are removed that was my big question at the end yeah. of the episode yeah so i don't know what they did with that guy because my assumption might be false <laughs> maybe it doesn't help somebody who's got a hagfish Who knows maybe yeah. we'll find out maybe maybe we will Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Maybe they need to remove the hagfish, give him tritonin to fix his broken brain, mm. and then give him the antidote. <laughs> yeah. I would think that should be able to work. In which case, I would think they should also be able to do the same thing for anyone else that is dependent on yeah. a hagfish. Yeah. Anyway, did you like the episode? I did. I thought it was interesting because it was another one of these like too good to be true things, but it turns out that they knew pretty quickly that it was too good to be true. And it didn't end in like the typical way where the SG team like leaves in a hurry being judgmental about the terrible people they're leaving behind. So there's actually a chance for like continued relationship with these people because they also, unlike Odo and unlike Jonas's people aren't intentionally being terrible. Yeah. And I thought that was a a new way to go with it, I felt like. And I'm very sad though. So I mostly liked it, but there were things I didn't enjoy like the whole we're cool with this creature being tortured because they're evil, but that just makes you kind of evil too. But everyone else was sure like, does. "Cool. It's fine. They're evil." Until they're like, oh, no, she's not evil. And then it was terrible. Yeah. So their morals, ethics are a little uh, screwy. Oh, and then this just brought up so many questions about gold reproduction and like their whole biology that I was just like, this is so much. <laughs> right? It really did. But, yeah. Yeah. But I just enjoyed it. I thought there was a good amount of tension between the different interested parties. Yeah. yeah. How about you? 
I did like this episode. I thought it was interesting. I like Malik's character, and so I was happy to see him again, especially so So soon. soon. We don't normally see a Tok'ra character two episodes in a row, but I liked his character. Yeah. And I don't think we've seen the other one, Kilma. I don't think we've ever seen her before. If we have, it hasn't really been a particularly large role. I feel like I would have remembered, because she has really wide eyes and, like, not big teeth, but her teeth are prominent (laughs) in a Martooth kind of way. Well, I just noticed her blonde curly hair because every time they showed her from behind, I kept thinking she was Osiris. And I was like, what the hell is she doing there? So I think I would have noticed her from previous episodes because I would have again been confused about why Osiris Fair. is there. But yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a ton to say about it. I agree that, you know, the whole animal experimentation thing is rough. And that is a terrible thing that humans do. And I have very mixed feelings about that because in some ways we do get, you know, we do get life-saving medications True. from animal experimentation but at the same time it's a barbaric practice so it's one of those kinds of things that it feels like there's no solution but i hate animal experimentation and that's a thing which is actually what limited me in the kind of fields that i could pursue in grad school because i was not willing to i had to do experimentation on frogs much more so than i anticipated it's a long story Uh. i won't go into it it (laughs) makes me angry and sad but there were a lot of research projects that I could have worked on that I just outright refused because I didn't want to be doing the degree of animal experimentation that was required from them. So yeah, I don't like it, but I don't know what the solution is when it comes to saving lives as to like what an alternative would be for some procedures that are done yeah, and whatnot. But overall, yeah, just interesting episode. I did enjoy it. And I did find it interesting to find out, because I've, I've wondered for a long time where this one random Tok'ra queen came from that was so different from all of the other ghouls before them. And now we know. Yeah. Kind of. We don't really know why she yeah. didn't agree with all the other ghouls, but it was at least interesting to see that first Tok'ra. Agreed. Yeah. So what's next? I could tell you if I had any idea where the booklet had gone. I just realized it got real dark in here. <laughs> but I reorganized my office and hang on. Okay. Oh, it's not even anywhere over here. Ugh, everything's the worst. Hang on. I don't know why this table's over here. <laughs> my Stargate table. My Stargate table got moved very far away. And that was, of course, where my Stargate booklet was sitting. <laughs> Season six. Episode 11, disc 3, for anyone that cares about what <laughs> disc. Rogue NSA officers hijack the top secret X-303 spaceship with Carter and Jonas on board and demand that Adrian Conrad, that guy again, Ooh. be brought to the ship. Using his gold knowledge, Conrad activates the X-303 and takes the ship light years from Earth as O'Neill and Tilk stage a daring rescue, not knowing whether they will be able to return home. Ooh. I have no recollection of that. I had vague le- recollections, and I also already watched the episode. <laughs> nice. I do definitely recognize the significance of the name Prometheus. Yeah. Did I even say the episode? Oh. Yeah, I did say the episode. I don't did know you? if I did. I said, oh, no. He told us what disc it was on. I said the disc. The episode is called Prometheus, <laughs> and I do recognize the significance of that name. <laughs> Meanwhile, over at the TVDB, they have a completely different description, which is a news reporter threatens to expose a top secret military project, but when Carter and Jonas give her a tour of the X-303, they discover that she is a pawn in a much larger plot. Oh. Hmm. A different element. Yeah. 
Yes. Mm. All right. Little nuggets from both. Indeed. Little Nugget is my nickname for my puppy. <laughs> Who's being one of many wrangled today? Yes, she's being wrangled <laughs> since the wine clown is home and downstairs with them. <laughs> now I'm picturing like a whole, I don't know, rodeo or circus yeah. down in your Coconut's living room. very good at juggling. Yeah. <laughs> Billy just sits there and whines. And you just whine. <gasps> yep. <laughs> anyway yep that it i think so okay well everyone thank you very much for listening to our podcast please remember to subscribe if you have not done so please review us if you have not done so we would love reviews tell your we friends do. about us yeah we love your friends too especially the five star reviews and also your five star friends five star friends with five star reviews or five star reviews with five star friends either way mm-hmm. <laughs> you can get in touch with us if you would like by emailing us at stargazing at gmail.com you can also visit our website stargazing.space where you have the ability to leave us voice messages as well as contact us and look at Yay. things and see links i yeah anyway you can visit us as well on the socials media in the form of instagram at stargatesing at stargatesing or <laughs> did you forget the podcast name again yeah i just like stumbled over it <laughs> and we are also on mastodon at stargatesing at mastodon.world finally should you enjoy what you're hearing and would like to help us keep doing it we have a patreon that you can sign up give us money say hi that is patreon.com slash stargazing yay i'm kathy and i'm mary and you have been listening to stargazing the end the end And I was talking about the distracting dick on the wall. Dicks on walls. So do you want to just go back to Dicks on walls. basically there? <laughs> exactly. Yes. Dicks on walls. Yeah. Good good episode name.